Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Well, it's no hardship for me to come across here on a Sunday evening. Though I am missing a worship lab at School of Kingdom Ministry, Cabramatta. That would have been fun too. If you have a Bible, I'll get you to open to Luke chapter 4. I believe that you are spending some time in Luke's Gospel. Uh, Luke is one of my favourite people in the Bible. Sorry. I didn't realise there was microphone fashion. (laughs) Now, my background is I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life. Grown up in the church, not a vineyard church. Uh, I grew up in a little Baptist church on the far north coast of New South Wales. Uh, My parents basically ran the show. So that meant that I pretty much spent the whole of the first half of my life at church. Uh, And even as a teenager, that wasn't really a problem for me because it was normal, and everyone thinks their childhood is normal. And it was a great little church. I loved the church. Uh, Being Baptist, I grew to love the scriptures. The Bible still very much my first love. So I'm very pleased that you're looking at Luke's Gospel because Luke's Gospel is about one of my other favourite things, which is about the good news of the kingdom. So we're going to read, uh, starting from verse 31. Now, am I right in thinking that the last time you guys were together, somebody spoke to you about the first bit in this chapter? No? So they haven't had that talk yet? Bummer. All right, that changes things a little. So Luke chapter 4 is a unit. Luke uses a, um, a writing technique, a device called an inclusio, to show us that the three stories in Luke chapter 4 come in a bundle. Now, the first one, Jesus goes to church in Nazareth, his hometown. Now, Jesus is not currently living in Nazareth. He's moved to Capernaum. But being a good Jewish boy, no doubt, he needs to go home and visit his mum. So if you're a son and you've moved out of home, you also should go home and visit your mum because mum's like that. And so while, Luke, uh, while Jesus is in his hometown in Nazareth visiting his mum and his brothers and sisters as well, he goes to church on the Sunday. Jewish people call it synagogue, but it's the same idea. God's people gathered for worship. And Jesus sits down and somebody hands him the Bible reading for the day, which comes from Isaiah 61, And Jesus opens up the scroll to Isaiah 61 and he reads, 
the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he finishes the reading and sits down and says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. Which is a pretty bold statement for a Jewish boy to say in front of his families and friends who've watched him grow up since he was little. And the people are so impressed with Jesus' teaching that they take him outside and try to throw him off a cliff. Um, They're unsuccessful, fortunately for us. The point is that Luke takes this reading from Isaiah 62, which is one of the key prophetic passages in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to preach on this bit just to fill you in a little bit on where we're going tonight. Luke takes that and Jesus takes that and says, this is my mission statement. This is what I'm about. And what it's about is Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit has come upon me. He's anointed me to announce good news to the poor. And the good news is that I've come with release. And he says it three times, release from oppression, release from blindness, release from uh, captivity. So Jesus comes to announce God's good news of salvation and he can do that because God's spirit has come upon him. Now Luke then follows that story with two other stories which we're going to read now because these next two stories is Jesus illustrating for us what it looks like to do his ministry. See, Luke 4 is part of a big section, Luke 4 to 9, which biblical scholars call the Galilean ministry. And in this section of Luke's gospel, what the author is doing is setting out for us what the mission of Jesus looks like. And the reason he's setting that out is because he believes that you are called to do the mission of Jesus. Now, if we jump across to the last gospel, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, everyone who believes in me will do the works that I am doing. Okay, now who does that apply to? Everyone who believes in him. So if you count yourself to be a believer in Jesus, then his expectation of you is that you're going to do better miracles than he did. How's that going for you? So verse 31 says, he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. Down because Nazareth is in the hills. He's going back to where he's currently living. Looks like he's living with his friend Peter. (coughs) And he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. So Jesus, the last week he was in Nazareth, in the synagogue, 
and he read from Isaiah 61, says this is happening now. I'm the promised one. That's essentially what Jesus was saying. And my ministry is a ministry of release. I'm going to release you from oppression. I'm going to release you from darkness. I'm going to release you from captivity and guilt and all of that stuff. I'm going to announce the year of God's favour. The next week he goes to the synagogue in Capernaum and he starts to teach them and the people are amazed because his word has authority. Now, those two words come together twice in this story. While Jesus is teaching, in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit, had the spirit of an unclean demon. Now, that's a pretty clumsy phrase, which is unusual for Luke. He writes the best Greek in the New Testament, but that's a pretty unwieldy thing. But the spirit of an unclean demon doesn't sound good. All right? He's not wanting us to get the idea that this is just any demon. This is an unclean demon. This is the sort of thing that you don't really want in your life. And the man cried out with a loud voice and said, Hey, what have you got to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him on the ground, uh, down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? With authority and power, he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him spread into every place in the surrounding region. So Jesus teaches and the people are amazed at his authority. Then a demon shows up and Jesus commands the demon and the demon leaves. Same thing. Luke says exactly the same thing. A word with authority. See, the synoptic gospel writers, Matthew, Mark and Luke all see Jesus' mission in three parts. There's a message, there's a ministry, and there's a movement of people who join. A message, a ministry, and a movement. Or the way John Wimber used to put it, the mission of Jesus consisted of proclamation, and demonstration, he missed the third bit, which is invitation. You got it? The mission of Jesus is proclamation, demonstration, and invitation. And we are all called to join Jesus' movement. And when we join Jesus' movement, what it's about is proclamation, demonstration, and invitation. Now, we'll come back and look at this story in a little more detail, but I want to read the next bit. He arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him 
on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all of those who had any sick, uh, any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Luke takes these two stories, a deliverance from an evil spirit and the healing of a sickness, and he puts them together because he wants us to know what demonstration looks like. See, the proclamation, that's the bit that we get in the first part of Luke 4. The spirit of the living God is upon me. He's anointed me to announce good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to set the captives free, to announce the year of the favour of our God. That's what the proclamation looks like. The good news is not that you should come to Jesus and get your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. Right Now, that's the gospel that I got saved by. I was a Baptist boy. But understand that that's not the good news that Jesus preached. The good news that Jesus preaches is the king, God's generous rule, has come near to us. And because God's rule has come near, we can change kingdoms. We can bring our lives under the authority of a king who's kind and full of mercy. But it means submitting to the authority of that king and then taking up his mission. So getting saved means joining Jesus' movement, becoming part of his project to preach good news, to demonstrate good news and to invite people to follow him. That's what you signed on to, even if you thought that you were just going to get your sins forgiven so you could go to heaven when you die. See, the problem with that old school evangelical message is what happens between when you get your sins forgiven and when you go to heaven when you die. I did the first bit when I was four years old. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? See, that's not the gospel. Jesus invites us to come to join on a project which is bringing the kingdom in the earth. And that'll take your whole life, regardless of how long you have left. See, we are called to join in the mission of Jesus And the mission of Jesus is thoroughly supernatural. And Jesus thinks that's okay. Now Luke is very careful to show for us that his ministry, Jesus' ministry, doesn't begin until his baptism. And what happened at his baptism? They saw the Holy Spirit come down and rest on him in the form of a dove. And then when Jesus announces his mission statement, he says, the spirit of the living God is upon me. See, Jesus is the son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. 
But he doesn't do his miracles as the second person of the Trinity. The Gospel writers are very clear to show us that Jesus does his works of power as a human being who is empowered by God's Spirit. Because Jesus intends to recruit you to his mission and he intends to anoint you with his Spirit so that you can go and do the things that Jesus did. Is this making sense? So the good news is that God's rule has come near and is now freely available to you or to anyone who puts their confidence in Jesus. And when you bring yourself under his rule, he signs you up to his movement of announcing Excuse me, announcing good news and demonstrating good news. And demonstration comes in two forms. There are two things that Jesus does over and over again. He drives out demons and he heals sick people. And if you read through the Galilean ministry in one go from Luke 4 through to the end of Luke 9, you'll see this pattern repeated over and over again. Jesus announces good news, then he demonstrates the good news by healing sick people, by driving out demons, and by inviting the people who receive the good news of the kingdom to join his movement. When the book of Acts starts and the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, There are little groups of Jesus people scattered all over Judea and Galilee. That's one of the reasons why the gospel spread so rapidly in the early church. Because Jesus had already thoroughly evangelized these areas with his disciples. And there were lots and lots of groups of people who'd signed on to the idea that Jesus was God's king come to bring God's generous rule to people who are longing for it and had been longing for it for a thousand years. So the mission of Jesus is proclamation, a message. God's rule has come near. Demonstration, a ministry. Driving out demons, healing sick people. And an invitation to join Jesus' movement and do Jesus' thing. So let's have a look at the two demonstration bits that Luke sets up front here for us to learn from. See, when we get to Luke chapter 9, Jesus recruits a bunch of guys who've been with him all along, who've been watching Jesus do this proclaim, demonstrate, invite thing, He sends them out on a training run to do the same thing. This is part of the invitation to his movement. And then in Luke chapter 10, he sends a bigger group out to do the same thing. Proclaim, demonstrate, invite. What do you think Luke's getting at? He's inviting you to join Jesus' project too. And he thinks that you should also be able to do the kind of things that Jesus and his disciples did. Now, it's interesting that he begins with 
with the demon, not the disease. If you do a careful reading of the Gospels, you see that Jesus' most common work of power is driving out evil spirits. That happens more often than healing sickness and disease. They often happen together. So why is it that we don't see much deliverance in our churches? I grew up in a church that I loved. I never ever saw a demon cast out. Right? We were one of those, if the Holy Spirit moves, stomp on it type of churches. I had a bit of a problem with that eventually because that's not what I looked at in, that's not what I read when I read the Bible. There were these bits that happened in the Bible and they never happened at church. And as a young fellow, that troubled me. As an old fellow, that still troubles me. When we come to church and God is present, we should be expecting God to do his thing. That means the kind of things that Jesus did. So let's look at how Jesus did it. He's teaching the word and suddenly a man starts to cry out and Jesus recognises that it's a demon. Now until this point in the whole Bible, we've hardly ever seen a demon. We don't really even know that there's such a thing. We know there's a Satan but we don't really see demons until the ministry of Jesus. Now, what's that about? It actually has to do with authority. Jesus comes as God's promised one, anointed by God's spirit and secure in his understanding of his authority as God's representative. I guarantee that you've seen demonic manifestations. I can't guarantee that you recognise them as demonic manifestations. See, this is the difference. There are probably people manifesting around you all of the time. Or sometimes you're around others and you're the one who's manifesting but we don't recognise the manifestation of the demonic in our lives. If we want to have a ministry of deliverance, the ministry that Jesus calls us to, the first thing is we have to get close enough to Jesus and get experienced in recognising the demonic so that when it happens, we know what to do. What does Jesus do when he recognises that there's a demon present in church? Right, that shouldn't happen, should it? Shouldn't have demons in church? It's actually mostly where it happens. And any demons that came to church tonight came with you and have probably been around for a long time. Now, 
I don't have time to do a full teaching on the demonic or deliverance, but trust me that Christians can be demonised. And that can happen in one of three ways. Either you inherited it from your family because the sins of the fathers are visited on the children to the third and fourth generation. So you can have a demon set up in your life as a consequence of the sins of your parents, your grandparents, or your great-grandparents. You can have a demon set up in your life as a consequence of your own sin. That's the second way. Or you can have a demon set up in your life as a consequence of sin that's been done against you, especially experiences of trauma. Now, we shouldn't be freaked out by this. We need to become aware of it so that when we encounter the demonic, we recognise it as such and we exercise the ministry of Jesus of releasing the person from oppression. That's why Jesus calls us to join his movement. He wants us to be part of the process of setting people free. Now, when I planted my church in 1995, I had no clue how to cast out demons. I knew that we had to do it, and I was game. I'd read lots of books. I'd seen it happen a few times, but I had to practice on my long-suffering people. We learned how to do it. Fortunately, people who are at the Northridge Vineyard Church, you don't have to learn the hard way. You could sign on to the School of Kingdom Ministry and learn how to do the ministry of the kingdom. But if you missed this year's class, you can actually get started early. Jesus recognises the presence of the demonic and he uses a word of authority. And he speaks to the demon and he, he basically says, shut up. All right, the English versions clean that up a little bit, but that's essentially what he says to the demon. He says, you be quiet and come out of him and the demon comes out. If you want to cast out a demon, that's pretty much what you do. Only you're likely going to have to say, come out, come out, come out, come out, and keep at it until the demon gets tired and goes away. As you engage with this ministry, which is the ministry of Jesus, you'll come to understand the way the demonic works, You'll come to understand better the way in which the Holy Spirit works. You'll get a better understanding of your identity in God and the authority that you have as one of God's kids. And as you grow in your understanding of your authority, you'll get better at deliverance. But you know how you get good at deliverance? You practice You do it. Just start with your home group.
Now, I want you to notice the similarity between the two stories. Jesus finishes at church and he goes home and he's staying with Peter and Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a high fever. And in those days, you didn't take two Panadol and go and lie down. A person who got a fever would most likely die. So a high fever was a freaky thing. It means this person's life is at risk. And so the people in Peter's family begged Jesus to go do something about the fever. And the text says that Jesus stands over Peter's mother and he rebukes the fever. Now, how do you pray for the sick? Dear Jesus, please come and make John better. That's not a biblical prayer. Jesus treats sickness and disease exactly the same way that he treats demons, not because Jesus thought that all sickness is caused by demons. That's not the biblical position. Sickness and the demonic are connected, but not directly connected. So not every uh, healing is a deliverance. Sometimes they are. But when Jesus heals the sick, he lays hands on the sick person, then he commands the disease to leave. If you're praying for a person with COVID-19, then you put your hand on the person and you rebuke the virus and you command it to leave in Jesus' name. You speak to the sickness like the sickness is a person. You don't do a dear God prayer. You speak with authority as uh, somebody who has been given the authority of Jesus. You'll find that out when you get to Luke 9 and Luke 10. Does this make sense? So when we notice that a person is manifesting a demon, now, something that I should probably make clear to you is that Luke writes this bit of his gospel and he's used, relied heavily on Mark's gospel. Both of these guys are writing their stories as a training manual for God's people. He wants you to realise that you've been called to join Jesus' movement and that means that you have to announce the good news so you need to know what it is. It's about the kingdom coming. And when the kingdom comes, we demonstrate the presence of the kingdom by driving out demons and healing sick people. But what that means is that Luke and Mark and Jesus think that deliverance and healing are learnable skills. This is not a gifting thing. This is a, an instruction thing. You can learn how to cast out demons. You can learn how to pray effectively for the sick. This is not about spiritual gifts. This is about being taught how to do the mission of Jesus. Now, this is a really good place to practice, but
But this is not where we're meant to do the mission of Jesus. Why do you think Jesus calls you to join his mission? It's because Jesus knows that your life takes you into the lives of some people that he has no other way of getting to. You are their Bible. You are the presence of the kingdom in their lives. The reason Jesus invites you to join his movement is because he wants you to take the good news that the king has come, demonstrate that in the lives of the people that you're with all of the time, because if you don't do it, they won't hear. The ministry of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, is proclamation. We have a message to live out in front of our family, our friends, our, log, our work colleagues, the people we hang out with. God's kind and generous rule has come close and we've been welcomed into God's presence under God's rule. We no longer need to live under the rule of a tyrant. We have a king who loves us, who loves on us. And it's demonstration as we learn to recognise and deal with the demonic in people's lives. What does the demonic look like? Last week it looked like fear. It's not a virus spreading across our country. It's a spirit of fear that's spreading across our country. The evidence is the empty aisles at Coles and Woolies. Are the people stupid? Maybe a little. <laughs> Mostly they're scared. A spirit of fear was allowed to spread across our country last year, including into the lives of the people that you hang out with and work with. This is what the demonic looks like. When you're speaking with someone and they're weighed down with shame, when you're speaking with someone and they're shaking with anger, this is what the demonic looks like. And Jesus calls us to exercise his ministry of release. This morning I'm going to issue you the invitation of Jesus to come and join his movement. But his invitation to you is an invitation for you to come and join his mission where you follow him in your real life announcing the good news that the king's kind and generous rule is now available to everyone. Being ready for any time that the Holy Spirit might tap you on the shoulder and say, 
See this here? That's a demon. You want to get rid of it? Or you see someone who's sick or injured and you get to demonstrate the presence of God's rule by praying with authority. Close your eyes. I'll just get you to stand up. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you to be our king. You are the Holy One of God. But you are a kind and generous king full of mercy and grace. And we gladly bring our lives under your rule. Thank you, King Jesus, for your mercy. Now the king invites you to come and sign on to the mission of Jesus, to proclaim the presence of the kingdom And to demonstrate the kingdom by driving out demons and healing the sick. To invite all who receive his ministry to join with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to come and sign on to the mission of Jesus. I know many of you have done this countless times before. But I think Jesus is wanting to increase the intensity uh, and your awareness of what it is that you've signed on to. So I'm going to invite you to come down the front here. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to anoint you with his presence so that you can preach good news, drive out demons, heal the sick, And invite people to follow. Why don't you come?